Hi everyone, happy Wednesday. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah Brimer. I'm your host of Killer Instinct. And if you could go ahead and give this podcast a quick follow, it'll take you two seconds. It's free, why not? And if you could go ahead and leave me a rating, that would be absolutely amazing. I would greatly appreciate it. So you guys, today's case... Today's case is one that I have been dabbling with back and forth on my theories on what I think happened for a very long time now, and I can't, I don't know what to think. I really, really don't. And as you can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are talking about the murders that occurred on Lake Oconee, and those are the murders of Russell and Shirley Dermond. And when I heard about these murders, I was shocked, not only because of the circumstances, but because I actually know people who have a house on this lake and I had never heard of this case before up until a couple months ago. This case that we are talking about is an unsolved cold case that hasn't had any answers despite its horrific circumstances that you will understand as I keep going. Let's talk about Lake Oconee for a second. So this is a gated, like it's a gated neighborhood, a gated community on this lake and it's in central Georgia and it's an extremely nice neighborhood. Like there's a lot of wealthy people and high class people and celebrities who have houses inside of this neighborhood. And authorities that have worked on this case call this the most frustrating case they've ever had. There's a sheriff by the name of Howard Sills who has worked as a police officer for more than 40 years. And in those 40 years, this is the only case that has remained unsolved. And he calls it a yoke around his neck. I wake up every morning and think about it and I go to sleep thinking about it. I do this every day, end quote. Now, let's talk about Russell and Shirley. So Russell was 88 years old and Shirley was 87 years old and they were both a retired couple living inside of Lake Oconee and they lived there for about 15 years and they lived to what seemed to be a very happy life inside of this neighborhood. Russell had worked as a clock manufacturing executive as well as a fast food franchisee before his retirement and him and Shirley had been married for about 62 years, which is an extremely long time. Russell was also a World War II veteran. Russell and Shirley seemed like a very happy couple just enjoying this chapter of their lives together. They had three kids who were all grown adults by this point, but their kids described them as very private people and very family-oriented people, and their favorite times were when they were spent with their family and their grandkids. So typical retired couple, it seems like, but that all changed very quickly. On May 4th, 2014, Russell and Shirley were expected to attend a neighbor's Kentucky Derby party. And if you're unfamiliar with what the Kentucky Derby is, it's basically a series of horse races that are extremely popular in the South. People will either go to the races or similar to this case, will have parties to celebrate the Derby. Though if they go to the races, you'll, you've probably heard of it. They dress up in like these big dresses and huge hats. And it's like, you go all out and it's very extravagant. And Russell and Shirley were 
invited to their neighbor's derby party, but they actually never ended up showing up. And two days later, on May 6th, the neighbors who hosted the Kentucky Derby party decided that they would walk over to check on Russell and Shirley because no one had heard from them. And when the past two days, they were calling Russell and Shirley's home to check on them, but they weren't answering their phone either. So when the neighbors walked into the house, they were walking through all of the rooms, calling out their names. The house looked fine, nothing out of the ordinary. And so they were calling out their names, getting no response. And the husband of the neighbors, so the neighboring pair, the husband of the neighbor walked into the garage. And that is when he was horrified to find Russell's body in between two cars in the garage. And he had been decapitated. The neighbor immediately called 911. And when the police showed up, they realized that even though Russell's body was found in the garage, Shirley was nowhere to be found. Obviously at this point, seeing the condition that Russell had been left in and not knowing if Shirley was still alive or not. And they also had to question whether or not she was responsible or if she had anything to do with it. But their main concern was finding Shirley because if Russell was left in this condition, God knows what condition Shirley could have been left in as well. So police walked around the house, realized that no one else was inside. They couldn't find Shirley. They couldn't find anyone else in the house that could have possibly been responsible for this. So now their main focus was to hunt for Shirley and they did just that. They looked everywhere for her and they couldn't find her anywhere. And it wasn't until 10 days later on May 16th, there were two fishermen who had actually been fishing out in the lake and they ended up finding Shirley's body floating face down in the lake about six miles from her home and her ankles had actually been tied to two 30 pound cement blocks and she had floated to the surface because of decomposition and the gases that carried through the corpse. Shirley was so bloated and from being submerged in the water for so long that she had actually swelled to twice her original weight and the medical examiner was able to determine that Shirley had died from blunt force trauma to her head, most likely a hammer, that's what everyone kind of came to the conclusion of, but she had a really bad beating. And as far as Russell goes, authorities believe that the reason he was decapitated wasn't as much so like some serial killers will like to keep trophies of their victims. It wasn't like that for this case. Police believe that he was decapitated because he was actually shot in the head and the killers removed his head to prevent authorities from finding the bullets to be able to connect it to a gun to ultimately be able to connect it to a person. But they did find gunpowder residue on his collar, which was where this whole like gun theory came from and the cut was right above his collarbone and whoever decapitated him knew exactly what they were doing and it wasn't done in a quick frantic manner at all it wasn't like a quick thing it was very precise which was something that the authorities were able to notice when searching the house there was actually no sign of force entry or a struggle to get inside the home there was nothing taken and everything was in its exact place that russell and shirley typically left it there was the sheriff had actually said that the house was quote-unquote immaculate and that it looked like it had been staged by a real estate agent and Shirley was known to keep a very clean house but regardless of that like you would think that if these with these murders being so brutal there would be some sign of a struggle or some sign of something but the only thing that was unmade was Shirley and Russell's bed and there was no sign of a struggle like I said and there had actually been towels placed around Russell in the garage for the blood to be soaked up 
up. That way it wouldn't spill out to the driveway for people to be able to see it. So whoever did this really thought everything out to the final detail to make sure that they had a couple days to get out of the situation, which turned out in their favor. It worked. So now with the police being where they were, all they had was two bodies, no evidence, and no idea where to begin with this gruesome murder that happened in the place that everyone least expected it to. Now you may be thinking, you know, this is a super, you know, high class neighborhood. How come, or there couldn't be no security cameras because you would think in a place of wealth and luxury and things like that, that place would be jam packed with cameras. But, but there were cameras at the front gate, like the security guard gate that people would drive in and out of. And from what I could tell, there was only one entrance gate, an entrance and exit gate. But of course, the cameras weren't working. The cameras were not working. So it is unclear how the murderers were able to get into the community if that's how they got in. And I do say killers plural because the police believe without a doubt 100% that this was more than a one person act. They think that this had to be at least two or three people to have carried out such an extensive murder and to have the bodies be found in two different areas, both murdered in different ways. It just seems much more complex than a one person job. So with such little evidence to go off of, the police were so desperate for help in this case. And that's when they decided to bring in the FBI. So they brought in the FBI and the specialized behavioral unit to make profiles of the killers to hopefully help them narrow down their search. And what they came up with, what the FBI came up with was a male suspect who liked guns and knives. And this wasn't really very helpful to authorities working directly on the case because someone who likes guns and knives is almost every person in the middle of Georgia. And that's exactly what the sheriff said. He said it was great that they came in and tried to help us. But at the end of the day, someone who likes guns and knives isn't a very specific person that doesn't really help us narrow down our search. So they just took that and took some of the questions that the FBI said to ask when doing their interviews and kind of just went on with their investigation. They kept searching the house and they kind of used the house as a crime scene, even though there was no evidence, DNA, fingerprints, or anything else like that that they could find. They searched the house excessively for three months, but even in those three months, they came up with nothing but they used luminol and lasers. And once they came back with nothing, the sheriff, Sheriff Sills, would tell the detectives to go back and do it all again, hoping that they would have a better outcome the next time. And they interviewed you guys everyone on this property of this neighborhood. They interviewed every resident, every gardener, every handyman, every day employee and laborer. Everyone was interviewed during this investigation process, but nothing came of it. All three of Russell and Shirley's children were also given polygraph tests and all three of them passed. So let's talk about the last time Russell and Shirley had been seen. So the last time that Russell was seen was on May 2nd, but May May 1st, Russell had actually gone to the store and to the bank. So he went out to run errands and there is surveillance footage from each location that he went to showing that he transferred money, he picked up a prescription, and then he bought some groceries. He then spoke to his son that night as well. And on May 2nd, 2014, Russell was seen walking the golf course near his home. And this was the last time he was reportedly seen in public. Now, I'm not exactly sure who made that sighting of him or who saw him 
walking the golf course, but that was the last time he was reportedly seen. A few days prior to this, Shirley had actually been seen at her regular weekly bridge game that she would go to. According to the police, they believe that the murders occurred somewhere between 4.30 p.m. on May 1st and 6 p.m. on May 4th when they didn't show up to the party. And actually, the clothes that Russell had been seen wearing on the surveillance footage were the exact same clothes that he was found in when he was dead and found in his garage, which makes me wonder if that May 2nd sighting of him was really him or not, because you would think that first of all, the police are saying he was murdered between May 1st and May 4th, why the May 2nd sighting wasn't really that important to them, and also why he would be wearing the same clothes on May 2nd. So that is just something that popped up in my mind. But So because of the lack of evidence that was found inside of Russell and Shirley's home, it really could only make sense that the couple was murdered outside of their home. But with there being no forced entry, it leads to the question of, did they know the people that they were letting inside of their house? Were they dressed up as employees of the neighborhood like who knows or was this the neighborhood that was so safe that they didn't feel like they would needed to lock their doors or that anyone would be a threat to them i mapped their home and i noticed that they had or their home sat on the water so they had their own path that connected the house to this dock and from what i read they didn't own a boat but they still had a dock which leads me to question that maybe someone pulled up their own boat and that's how they walked into the house because, I mean, for Shirley's body to be found six miles away, it most likely had to have been dropped off by boat, especially if it's dropped on with cement blocks tied around her feet. She really isn't going to like float away at that point. She's going to stay in the exact spot that she's dropped. So my question is, maybe this neighborhood is so safe that they decided that they left their doors unlocked like i said and someone pulled up with a boat and ended up going through the back doors they also had neighbors pretty close in proximity when i looked up their house so i feel like in a murder as gruesome as this and if we're sticking to the idea that russell was shot in the head due to the gun residue that was found on his shirt someone would have had to have heard something which also leads me to believe that the murders happened outside of the house because if there's a gunshot and if Shirley was beaten as badly as she was the neighbors would have heard something so that is what leads me to believe that this had to have happened outside of the house and the police have that same theory as well they've said that they don't believe that this murder happened inside of the house due to the lack of evidence okay we're gonna take a short break but we will be right back with more of the killer instinct podcast Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. All right, you guys, welcome back. 
So let's talk about motives now, because this is where things get a little bit confusing. So as far as the motives go, the police came up with several different theories, mainly all revolving around money and the idea that whoever did this was trying to collect money or valuables from Russell and Shirley. But here's where this does not make sense. Okay. So this doesn't make sense because everything was left inside of the home. If this was a robbery, it was not executed well at all because there was nothing taken from the home. We're talking about expensive jewelry Russell and Shirley had. They had expensive jewelry. They had Rolex watches that could have been sold for a decent amount of money collectively if the perpetrator wanted it to be, but they didn't take any of it. And from the looks of what happened, it didn't seem that they were in a rush to get this done by the precision of the decapitation, which is also why to me, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. If this was for the money, they certainly could have taken the valuables. But the fact that they didn't says to me that this was more personal, which circles back to my question of who would want to murder this couple who seemed to the public like the last person anyone would want to harm. The police announced that they did have a person of interest back in 2015, and it was actually a woman. Not that a woman would not be able to do this or not be able to participate in this, but from what the FBI said, they said it was a male. So to have a woman person of interest was kind of off course. But like I said, you know, who knows? Maybe she could have been a part of it, and the main person who was involved in this was a man, and she was just kind of there. Maybe she was dating someone, but regardless, she had apparently been questioned several times, and the first time she was questioned didn't her answers didn't match up with the second time she was questioned and the second time she was questioned more intensely but after the second time the authorities kind of came to the conclusion that she did not have anything to do with this there was very little information put out about who this person was or why they thought she would have anything to do with it to begin with but I am definitely interested to know why they thought that she could have any part of this clearly something she said or something didn't line up to the point where she was announced as a person of interest but they just didn't announce her name to keep the integrity of the case which is understandable but i would be curious to know what led them to her So I didn't see this theory anywhere online, but like I said, I do know people who have connections to this community. And from talking to them, what I gathered is through the rumor mill in Lake Oconee, and like I said, this is just a rumor, this could be totally false. But apparently the rumor mill through this community, a strong theory from them is the idea that this was a gang mob hit due to some shady activities that one of their children was involved in, one of Russell and Shirley's children. Now online, I couldn't find anything about their children or the type of people that they were or what they were involved in. So this is more so just of an inside source that could be totally made up. But when I started to think about it more and more, it makes sense to me. Like I said, the fact that nothing was stolen from the home and it was kept in impeccable shape and with how gruesome the murders were, it definitely makes it seem more personal. Why did Russell have to be shot in the head and why did Shirley have to be beaten to death? You know, certain things like that, you know, with Russell, it was kind of, they shot him in the head and that was it. But with Shirley, they didn't want to shoot her or maybe they ran out of bullets or I don't really know. But the fact that she was beaten to death and nothing was taken from the home, it was just the, the Russell and Shirley were brutally murdered. So that's why it seems a lot more personal. And if this was a robbery or something to do with money, there would be 
things that are missing. But the fact that whoever carried this out knew enough to take the head off of Russell to keep the police from finding the bullets, the knife that was used to decapitate Russell has never been found, and to take Shirley six miles away from her home and dump her body in the lake shows me that whoever did this knew what they were doing. They knew well enough not only to take any possible evidence, but to dump the bodies in two separate places, one of those places being a lake, which by that time the police got to the body, all possible evidence was disintegrated. And even though all three kids passed polygraphs, we already know how unreliable those are, so to speak. I also want to touch on the cameras not working because there is something that does not sit right with me at all about those cameras. The fact that this murder just so happened to be carried out during a time that the cameras at the guard gate weren't working is too coincidental for me to believe it's just a coincidence. Does that mean that there's someone who works inside of the community who knew about this and turned the cameras off before it happened? Could be. Could this be because whoever carried this out knew what they were doing and made sure the cameras didn't work? Possibly. Or maybe even paid someone to turn them off. Even though I feel like that one is more or less likely because from what I've been able to tell, no one saw or heard anything unusual in the days leading up to May 6th when the bodies were found. And I also think that, you know, if they wanted to keep this as private as possible, as low key as possible, that they wouldn't go off paying employees to shut off cameras. You know, I think the theory that I spoke on earlier about them entering into the house via a dock on a boat would make more sense to how they could have entered more unsafe. Scene. However, if neighbors knew the Dermans didn't have a boat and, and saw one on the dock, that definitely would have been something that they would have noticed. So this case has so many more questions than answers, and I know I just threw a ton of different theories at you. Obviously, whoever did this knew what they were doing, point blank. That I think we can all agree on. Whether this person was a hunter who was experienced in knives and cutting and had a really good skill in that, definitely a possibility. The head of Russell to this day has never never been recovered, nor has any of the other murder weapons and any other evidence in general. That's the part that makes me believe that this wasn't just a regular hunter. This was someone who knew how to get away with murder. Someone skilled enough to decapitate someone, to know to put towels around to soak up the blood so it wouldn't spill into the driveway. Someone who knew to dispose of the bodies separately and someone who knew how not to get caught. The motive is also a huge question mark to me. I personally don't believe it had anything to do with the money because they would have taken the valuables if they wanted to. So what was the purpose here? What were they trying to accomplish and achieve? The fact that this is unanswered, it keeps me up at night. You guys, like, I kid you not, this one keeps me up at night. I was literally just when I was doing my research, staring at pictures at Russell and Shirley and just saying like, what happened? Like what happened to you? Like, I just, I need to know what happened. Someone is so responsible for a gruesome horrific murder and someone is still out there like living with this every day and it's, it could be someone who walks in that community it, someone knows something I feel like the neighbors have to know something someone in that community knows something because for being as high class and luxurious as this community is something like this does not just happen 
it just, it doesn't. And so I'm so curious to know your guys' opinions on this and your theories. Please DM me and email me with your thoughts on this. I actually received this case as a request through my email, which if you are unfamiliar with, it is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. That's where you can send me your thoughts and your theories, as well as other case suggestions you have for me. Also, you can reach out to me on DMs on Instagram and Twitter. It is just at Savannah Brimer for both handles. But with that being said, you guys, my brain is rattling with this one. I just, I want answers so desperately for this family, for Russell and for Shirley. This just makes no sense to me at all. I have, I, I don't know. Like I really, really don't know. So definitely send me in your thoughts and opinions. All right, you guys, that is going to be it for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. Like I said, go hit that follow button and also rate and leave a comment. I would really appreciate it. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend and stay safe.